to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. a series tonight on roots we're going to talk about roots again tonight and uh, we're going to go in a different direction last week we talked about the four views of the Hebrews uh, and we got our thought process from the Hebrew people because we are the grafted in branch the Bible talk calls us in Galatians the wild shoot became the grafted in branch and the Hebrews viewed God as the only God that God was mandatory not optional say God's mandatory Versus the Greeks and Egyptians who had multiple gods, one for almost every occasion. So we talked about the Hebrews believed in a mandatory God, not an optional God. The Hebrews also viewed God as a very practical, down-to-earth, relevant God. You remember that? When the Greeks saw him as a mystical, abstract, distant, uninvolved God. We talked about that last week. And then we talked about the Hebrews saw God everywhere in everything. Everything good came from the Father of light in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Amen? So the, the Hebrews saw that. Verses seeing God at church and everything else in life as secular. And then the last thing we covered last week is that the Hebrews had a holistic, integrated approach to life versus a compartmentalized approach to life. In other words, everything that they did, God was in it. They integrated everything, not compartmentalized, not saying this is different, this is church, this is world, this is God, this is not God. Everything that they did was integrated into the kingdom of God. That's the kind of church we need in this hour. Amen? Amen. So we did those four things last week. Now, tonight we're going to go on a completely different route. I'm going to talk metaphorically here a bit tonight, and I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this study because it's something that I enjoy doing from time to time. I'm going to talk tonight about trees. We're going to talk about trees tonight. We're going to talk about trees. And I've got T-R-E-E-E. I'm not going to acronym you tonight, but we're going to talk about trees. There is a scripture in the book of Jeremiah that I want to read tonight to get started. You got it? Can you pull it up? Jeremiah chapter 17. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. In other words, she's going to be a root that has a spreading effect. Her leaves are going to be green continually. The drought's not going to affect her. She's going to continue to yield fruit because she has a root system. The Bible said, the Bible said, though the root die in the ground and the stalk wax old in the earth, yet through the scent of water, that tree shall bring forth blossoms and buds. Amen. So I believe with all my heart that we're talking about trees in our life tonight. And we're going to talk about things that trees possess. I'm going to, I'm going to personalize i'm going to bring things to a personal level with these things called trees everybody say trees Trees. you may be seated joyce kilmer once said i think i shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree 
Now, trees are lovely, and like people, they come in so many varieties. Some, like the giant sequoias in California, are large enough to drive a car through. Anybody ever done that? Others, like the slender, ungainly dogwood, reminds us of the cross of Jesus Christ. Easterners see a palm tree, and they think of Florida or the coastal areas of the Carolinas or even Georgia. In the springtime, tourists flock to Washington, D.C. to enjoy trees filled with cherry blossoms because it is full of cherry trees there. The world is filled with an amazing variety of trees. In the deserts of Nambia, there are trees still alive from the time of Christ, yet their central trunk has never grown over three feet in height. Instead, they produce two large leaves or two huge leaves up to 20 feet in length which never fall and continue growing throughout the plant's life. And then there's the banyan tree of India. It has more than one trunk. When the original trunk of the tree attains a certain size, it sends down additional rope-like trunks so the tree can spread outward almost indefinitely. And a 200-year-old specimen of the Calcutta but at the Calcutta Botanic Gardens has over 1,700 trunks. It is said that during Alexander the Great's Indian campaign, 20,000 soldiers sheltered under a single banyan tree for shelter and for shade. Trees, amazing varieties, remarkable beauty of a you yet, and so necessary to our planet. Necessary for the carbon dioxide they pump into our air. Necessary for the fruit they put on our tables. And necessary for the balance of our life. In a book, in an essay titled, How Your Flower Bed Can Save You, Benjamin Watson wrote, suggested even more interesting use of foliage that we plant in our yards, especially if we live in areas threatened by wildfires, which we thought we never would have here. But a couple of years ago, we had a huge fire get out of control in the Bastrop area, defined as a fire that's burning out of control. He notes that the plants and trees close to your home can either slow an approaching wildfire or can help deliver that wildfire to your house in record time. And he writes, in the early 90s, the eucalyptus trees all over Oakland, California, exploded into flames as residential fires in that city spread. Because of the high rosin and the oil content, the trees served as living torches, igniting the houses and vegetation around them. Such trees as the pine and the juniper, which regularly drop their leaves, will also provide fuel for an oncoming fire. But that doesn't mean you should give up on landscaping altogether, for there are trees that have fire prevention in them. Trees like the cactus and the yuccas and the euphorbias, they stop fire from spreading. I hope you never have to worry about such things, but Dr. Johnson here, the botanist, Dr. Johnson, (laughs) I'm trying to help you understand by knowing and understanding the botanical diversity of our world can provide beneficial help in so many ways. Everybody say trees. trees. But even as I speak, pharmaceutical companies around the world are combing through jungles in search of herbs that might prove beneficial to the healing of our own body. I was in New York recently. Our staff went there, and we got to go to Dr. Oz's show. And there was a a, a show that day on coffee, and there was a man that goes all over the world looking for coffee beans and looking for beans that might bring a healing balm. And he was talking about some of those things that they find in some of these areas in the world. 
in these rainforests. Nature is a wondrous thing. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Actually, trees have advantages over human beings. And I'm going to give you five advantages that trees have over human beings, and I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to help you tonight. Number one, trees never have an identity crisis. Oh, I'm going to preach now. They never ask, who am I? They never ask, what am I doing here? What is my purpose in life? As far as I can tell, they're pretty content where they are and what they are. There's a silly story that I read. I hate to even tell it because it's so silly about a little turtle who lived deep in the woods near a beautiful clean pond, and one day he started climbing a tree. And it took him forever, for hours, to reach to the top of the tree. And, and when he got to the top of the tree, he started waving his little arms and his legs, and he jumped off into space and came crashing to the ground. He lay there for a while, shook it off, slowly started climbing the tree again. And two robins, <laughs> y'all are listening like God, he's fixing to drop one on us, were sitting in their nest and watched the little turtle's pitiful efforts. Finally, the female robin turned to the male and said, I don't care what you say. I'm going to tell him he's adopted. <laughs> it's a bad joke. I wrote it. I know that. But the little turtle somehow thought he was a robin. There's nothing sadder or more ineffective than a turtle or a person who doesn't know who he or she is in life. In John's first epistle, we discover who we are. He said in 3 and 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been made clear what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him even as he is. I want to tell all the turtles in the house, be a turtle. I want to tell all the tortoises in the house, it's all right not to be a hare. I want to tell everybody, you are what you are by the grace of God. Don't get in some identity crisis in your life. Let your roots go down and grab a hold of a God in your life and say, I am who I am and I love the person that God has made me to be in life. I love it. I love it when Popeye the sailor man eats his spinach. I love it. And he... And he says, I am what I am. And I yuck it. I want you to get happy about who God made you. I want you to be content in whatever state you're in. It doesn't matter if you lost your job this week. It doesn't matter if gas prices soar. It doesn't matter if you get sick on the job and have to go home tomorrow. It doesn't matter if you're not the person across the aisle from you. You get happy with who God made you. You get thrilled about who you are. And when you get happy with who you are, you'll get happy about the God that made you. And your worship will ascend to the throne of the everlasting Father. You will worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. Trees never worry who they are. They never long to be someone else. The oak never says, I want to be a dogwood. And the spruce doesn't envy a drooping elegance of a willow. Trees never ask, what's my purpose? They never attend seminars on the power of positive leafing. 
Come on, folks. They don't carry a day planner. They're content with their lot in life. I want to preach this. I want to preach it until you get a hold of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'll never forget when I used to have those inferiorities. I used to have inferiorities because I couldn't even testify. I couldn't testify, and and God had called me to preach. And and when I would get up to preach, I would close my eyes because I'd think nobody saw me if I closed my eyes when I preached. And I've had people sing on this platform that close their eyes. Listen, we see you singing. Open your eyes and sing. But quit having those inferiorities. Listen, you belong to something greater than yourself. You're here tonight on purpose. You are specially planned. You're specially programmed. God loves you right where you are tonight. Get excited about that. Claim your independence in God. Wow. Come on, clap your hands. Well, I'm bald-headed. Well, I'm fat. Well, I'm this. Well, I'm that. Well, I don't have the money. No, you're who you are by the grace of God. Quit having identity crisis in your life. Trees never have that. Be like a tree planted by the river. Let your roots go down. Don't let drought destroy you. Don't let bad seasons destroy you. You're a child of God. You belong to him. The second thing I've learned about trees is that they never worry about the future. Hello. They don't spend their lives in fear of what tomorrow may bring. How fortunate they are. They're just a tree. They never seem to worry about aging or sickness or the stock market. They accept life as it comes. That's so unlike humans. We so often complicate our lives with additional burdens of worry and fear. I read a cute story. This one's cuter than the turtle and the robin. And you like my stories. I read a cute story. Reuters News Service carried a story about a man named Wink who was 26 years old from Louisville, Kentucky. And while he was visiting a friend in Tampa, Florida, he wanted to go gator hunting and shoot pictures of gators. Not not catching them, but shoot pictures. And worried about getting lost, he carried a long roll of duct tape to mark his path on the trees. And unfortunately at dusk, he was ready to head back and he couldn't find any of his, his markings. Terrified to be spending the night in a swamp because he was not from that part of the country. With alligators, he climbed 40 feet, (laughs) thinking a gator can't climb this high, up in a tree where he used that duct tape again to tape himself to the branch for the night. (laughs) So if he fell asleep, he wouldn't fall out of the tree. When he didn't come home by dark, his friends called the sheriff. Mr. Wink was found within 400 yards of his friend's house, but he had taped himself to the tree so securely that deputies had to climb the tree and undo him and let him down. Many of us, many of us who have troubles enough without adding to them don't need to add to them by draining our energy with worry and with fear. You know what the Bible said? The Bible said that the sparrows don't worry. They don't worry. The lilies of the field don't worry. They don't worry. If a little old sparrow understands that when he falls, God sees him. If a lily understands, I'm not going to worry because I'm in a valley. Why should we worry when we have things that trip us up? Why should we worry when we think we're walking through a valley? Come on. Somebody stand on your feet after a while and say, I am not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm I'm not going to let tomorrow's fear destroy me and yesterday's guilt bring me down. I'm going to get excited about living for God today. 
Amen. Quit worrying. Quit worrying about the future. We're bound not with duct tape, but by anxiety. Anxiety is killing a lot of people's walk with God. Matthew 6 and 25 said, don't be anxious about your lives. Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Make a request known unto God. And the, wow, the peace of God. Listen to me. It's not the will of God. Let people that don't know God get anxious. Don't we get anxious? It's not time for us to get anxious. I read on the news today that North Korea is fixing to let her go. Well, let her fly. Let it happen. And Austin's in their target. Austin, they want Austin. Why? I think they're aiming for North Austin, though. <laughs> I'm thinking, why us? What have we done? That boy needs to get him a new barber. That's what he needs. That North Korea boy needs him a new barber. You know what's happened to him? He's got some generals telling him he's the man. And they, 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 want, they want to wipe out some countries. They want, to be, they want to be the top dog on the block. And they're telling him, boy, that's what you need to do. And, and they got his little old 30-year-old mind thinking he's king, tut. I'm going to tell you something. I doubt that that rocket can make it to the border of South Korea. <laughs> but they're fixing to shoot it off. Boy, they look good. But I'm here to tell you something. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to lay down to not worrying about that because I believe that if it came, push came to shove, about 50 hours is all it would take for us to say, hello, goodbye, see you later. So I'm not going to worry about that. But even if America can't do that to them, to them I have a God that's going to take care of me. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. You know what I heard a preacher say not long ago? He said, if you're, having, if you're having anxiety, there's three Psalms you need to read. Psalms 37, write that down. Psalms 37. You need to read Psalms 37. You need to read Psalms chapter 91. Psalms 37, cha Psalms chapter 91. Brother Mike Murdoch said this, and he said Psalms 119. And I know Psalms 119 is 175 verses. But it's all right. Time you get through reading that, you won't have no worry. I'm telling you, you go home tonight if you are anxious because trees don't get anxious. Let your roots down. Let the glory of the Lord shine in your life. You don't have to worry about the drought. You don't have to worry about when the summer comes and when drought comes and when the hard time and the heat comes. You're a tree planted by the water. Hallelujah. And you're going to have revival in your soul continually. No identity crisis. No worry about tomorrow. No fear of the future. Say amen to that. No fear of the future. Boy, I could preach on that. But some trees even lean on one another for support. Wow. Some things I know about trees make me like people less. <laughs> trees don't even have a mind, and they lean on one another for support. The giant sequoias of California, their root system is unlike any other tree. They have a root system that does not grow deep into the ground, but the sequoias has roots just barely below the surface of the ground. And they run sideways. Their roots are small in comparison to other huge towering trees, but sequoias grow only in groves, and their roots grow together, and they intertwine with one another under the surface of the earth, giving them extraordinary strength. So when a strong wind comes, they hold each other up. Turn to your brother and say, I need you tonight. 
sister turned to her sister and say, thank you for being here tonight. Why don't you just kind of interlock your arms with your neighbor's elbow right there and just say, hey, you're my brother, you're my sister. That's what a church is all about. A church is not about one person standing up and one person falling down. It's about all of us holding on together and saying with the help and the grace of God, we're going to finish this race together. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. I wish we were as wise as trees. It's like the parable about the voyaging ship that was wrecked during a storm and only two men survived. They were able to swim to a small desert-like island. And the two survivors, not knowing what else to do, agreed that they had other rec- no other recourse but to pray to God. However, to find out whose prayer was more powerful, they agreed to divide the territory between them and stay on opposite sides of the island. And the first thing both of them prayed for was food. The next morning, the first man saw a fruit-bearing tree on his side of the island, and he was able to eat the fruit. The other man's parcel of land remained barren. His prayer wasn't answered. Some days later, the first man was lonely and decided to pray for a wife. The next day, another ship was wrecked, and the only survivor was a woman. (laughs) It's a parable. (laughs) Who swam to his side of the island. On the other side of the island, the second man had nothing. Soon the first man prayed for a house, clothes, and more food the next day like magic. All of this was given to him. However, the second man had nothing. Finally, the first man prayed for a ship so that he and his wife could leave the island. In the morning, he found a ship docked at his side of the island. The first man boarded the ship with his wife and decided to leave the second man on the island. He considered the other man unworthy to receive God's blessing since none of his prayers had been answered. And as the ship was about to leave, the first man heard a voice from heaven booming, Why are you leaving your companion on the island? My blessings are mine alone. Since I was the one who prayed for him, the first man replied. His prayers were, not, were all unanswered, so he does not deserve anything. You're mistaken, the voice said. He had only one prayer, which I answered. Tell me, the first man said, what did he pray that I should owe him anything? He prayed, said the voice, that all your prayers would be answered. I've got people, I've got people that walk in the doors of this church that are here tonight that pray for me every day. And there's some people that never see their prayers answered, their prayers. But they pray for a pastor to see his prayers answered. And you know what? God is answering my prayers because a lot of people pray for this pastor. Do you think I'm going to leave this place? Do you think I'm going to walk out of here and not try to take everybody with me? I want everybody in this church to go to heaven. I want everybody in this church to be saved. I want everybody to be a part of the kingdom of God. Amen? Come on. We need to interlock ourselves together and say we're going to heaven together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Trees don't have identity crisis. They learn to lean on one another for support. The Bible said two is better than one because when one is down, the other can pick them up. Husband and wife, you need one another in your life. You need one another. I wish my wife was here tonight to hear me preach because some of y'all may walk out here and never say good job or not even wave at me, but my wife will say, he did pretty good. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you, we need each other. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it. We need each other. We need each other. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why in Acts that Ananias 
and Sapphira were smitten? Have you ever wondered? Let me, let, let, me, let, me, let me talk to you just a little bit. Let me talk to you just a little bit. In the book of Acts, chapter number 1, I want to show you something here. I want to take you through the Bible. It's not going to be on the screen. You've got to listen to the word here, okay? Amen. That's Luke. That's John. I guess Acts is coming up here. All right. All right. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible said that they went to a place called an upper room. They all went there. There was 500 that saw him leave. 380 departed, but 120 came to an upper room. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Everybody say they were united. They were united in one. They were united in two. Acts chapter 3, the Bible said Peter and John went up to the temple together. Everybody say together. They were united. Come here, Brother Mitch. Come here, Brother Mitch. They were arm in arm. Pete was the exact opposite of John. Pete was loud and boisterous, and John was sensitive, pensive, smart, a writer, and Pete was always talking. But they came together. You don't have to have likes to walk together. They were together. Peter and John went to the temple together. And later, they ran to the tomb together. They stayed buddies. Different personalities can still be friends in the house of God. Because there's a connector called the Lamb of God that died for us on a cross. Amen? And when they saw the lame man, thank you, thank you. When they saw the lame man, Peter said, look on us. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give out of thee. In the name of Jesus, arise and walk. And he took up his bed and walked. Those men walked together. Everybody say, they were united. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested, put in prison. Stripes are put on their back. And they're grateful that they're able to preach the gospel. For they said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And a little bit later, the Bible says in, in about... In, in, in about 30, 31, it said, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. They were together. They were together. The first four chapters of the book of Acts, everybody was sequoia trees. They were joined together. Everybody counted. Everybody mattered. Everybody was a part of this thing. It's amazing what happens when two people decide they don't want to do it the way God wants it done. And the Bible said that when Ananias and Sapphira came and they presented their gifts, Peter looked at Ananias and said, you're lying to the Holy Ghost, and he died. Three hours later, his wife comes and she dies. Here's the whole thing that God gave to me one time in prayer. Those people died. Not because they sinned more than anybody else, but they were the first to break the unity of the early church. If they'd have waited till Acts 6 when everybody started murmuring against the widows and all that stuff, they wouldn't have died. 
but they broke the unity. Let me tell you something. There's something powerful about the unity of the church of the living God. Oh, I want to preach right now. There's something awesome about the power of unity of the church. Listen, Jesus Christ is Lord of this church. Amen. Amen. The Holy Ghost rules and reigns in this church. Amen. Divine healings in this house. People that need deliverance can be delivered in this house. We are a church of the living God that preaches a gospel that still delivers. It still delivers. Might as well come on in and join with us and say, let's go to heaven together. It's an amazing thing what unity can do. Psalms 133, he commands the blessing, even life forevermore, on the spirit of unity. Unity, unity, unity. Say unity. 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 Bible said in Antioch they were first called Christians there. You know who called them Christians? The city people called them Christians at Antioch. The city people. It wasn't something they said, okay, we we left that Pentecostal thing now. Now we're going to be called Christians. No, 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 no. They didn't call themselves that. The city called them that. Wow. These folks are Christians. Why don't we join together? I have met the enemy, and he's not in this house tonight. You're my brother and my sister. Let's go to heaven together. Amen. Clap your hands all over the house. Clap your hands all over the house. The four things that trees don't do, they do do not engage in self-destructive behavior. Tree never takes a knife and says, Thank God. Pop a little peel here. They don't numb their brain with alcohol and drugs. They don't drive their cars unwisely or abuse their bodies. And when they're confronted with evidence of their self destructiveness, they don't close their eyes in self denial. When a certain youth leader lost his favorite pen, he set out to find it under a sofa cushion. And when he lifted up the sofa cushion, he was shocked to discover that under his neat looking sofa, was a horrible jumble of food and crumbs and paper wrappers and spare change and other junk. It was a mess. Did this experience convince him that he needed to clean out his sofa more often? No, no, it didn't. It convinced him to never look under his sofa cushion again. (laughs) Wow. Sometimes we don't search deep enough inside ourselves because we're afraid of the mess. You can't just sweep it under the carpet all the time. Boy, I've done that before. How many kids, when you were kids, mama said sweep and you couldn't find the dustpan? You just. (laughs) But when that rug hit, it went poof. And mama usually knew. You can't sweep stuff under the rug. You got to get honest with yourself. You got to get honest with yourself. You got to say, you know, I've made some mistakes in my life. I believe with all my heart that this church corporately desires all the same thing. But life is an individual thing. And I'm trying to get us all on the same train. But you've got to make up your mind. Do I want this or do I want that? Somewhere you've got to do it. And sometimes when you engage in these self-destructive behavioral attitudes, 
It's because you don't want to dig deep enough and find the thing inside that only God can clean out. It's a heart situation. It's a heart matter. And you got to get it out sometimes. You just got to get it out. I can't get it out for you. I can mark it. I can tell you about it. But you've got to have a time alone with Jesus Christ. You've got to find a closet of prayer and say, Lord, I need a little help down here. It doesn't take that long. But it's just humbling yourself. For he that humbles himself shall be exalted. And he that exalts himself shall be abased. It's time to start cleaning out from under your sofa. And said, I'm going to be clean in my heart before God. Amen. 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 I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Sometime we'd rather suffer the consequences of a misspent life than face the mess that we are in. You got to face it. Trees don't engage in self-destructive behavior. And of course, my fifth point, trees bear fruit without complaint and without excuse. That's just what they do. Fruit ought to be the most natural thing that we do. We need to bear it. And the fruit of the Spirit is, read it sometime. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. It's a joy to produce the fruit of God. You know what I think? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm getting nosy here. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm digging down where I shouldn't dig right now. But the Lord will help me. He'll forgive me. I think your house ought to be an extension of this church. I think if you can laugh and enjoy and be benefited by the presence of God here, I think you ought to take this presence home and make your house a little haven called church. Because nobody comes in this door mad. Ain't nobody mad here tonight. Anybody mad? Look at him. You mad? Anybody mad? Everybody happy? Isn't it good to hear the word of the Lord? Why don't we just take this presence home with us? But pastor, you don't know what my house is like. My kids drive me crazy and this is the only hour and a half during the week. I get to put them next door. I'm going to tell Brad to start laying hands on them, make them better so you'll be better. Brad will have deliverance over there. But I think home. Are you with me? I think home. I think if you walked into the Johnson home, if you walked into the Rose home, you walked into the Reynolds home, you walked into the Wilkinson home, you walked into the Davenport home, I think you need to walk into places that represent in a small manner what happens here on a grander scheme. I think husbands ought to love their wives at home like they smile at them here at church. I think wives ought to go ahead and put the rolling pin up. Don't even bring it to church and don't use it at the house. I think things ought to be good at home. Are you with me? I think God loves the family. The family is what makes the church a wonderful place. And I think the family ought to be a neat place at home so that everybody can come together. We don't have to put things under the rug and start sweeping things under the rug and saying, oh, God, the sofa cushion, and it's messy under there. I think we need to go ahead and look at it and say, this is what we are. We're bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. 
If I can be gentle here, I can be gentle at home. If I can be blessed here, I can be blessed at home. If I can love here, I can love at home. Amen. That's pretty good whether you like it or not. Some trees bear fruit annually. Some bear it sporadically. sporadically. The bitternut tree does not bear fruit every year, but every three years and sometimes only every five years. Stay with me now. The beech tree bears fruit every eight years. The white oak can go ten years without bearing fruit. But the champion in delay is a bamboo which bears fruit only every 120 years. We don't need any bamboos in this house. Like the old boy told his wife. She said, honey, you never tell me you love me. He said, I told you at that altar <laughs> that I loved you. And if anything changed, I'd inform you. <laughs> we don't need bamboo trees in this house. We need people that show the fruit of the Spirit every day. Isn't it great to be in a, in a godly Holy Ghost, happy church. Isn't it an awesome thing? Each tree is true to its own nature. None bears the same fruit, only the fruit for which they're designed. Jesus questioned the value of a tree that does not bear fruit. Of course, he wasn't really talking to trees at all. He's talking about his followers. So I want to ask you, are you bearing fruit for your family? Are you bearing fruit in your community? Are you bearing fruit on your job? Are you bearing fruit in the world? Are you a fruit-bearing tree? If the roots are right, the fruit's right. I'll never forget, Jeff Fluid is a wonderful concrete man, owns a concrete company, and Jeff's one of my dear friends, and been here ever since I've been pastor. He's one of the men that wanted me to come, and he's here tonight. But he made a statement one time. He said, Pastor, there's something about a foundation. I'm going to throw it in. He said, if the foundation's right, he said, the roof rarely ever leaks. If you get it right in the base, everything else is going to fit. And if you get the root system right, if you're planted by the river and your, your tree trunks are running in that river and the roots are running in that river and you're not afraid of drought and you're not afraid of the summertime and your leaves are going to blossom and you're going to bear fruit all season long, there's something to be said about a tree that has its roots right. The fruit's going to be right. There's a root of bitterness called wormwood. It's a root of bitterness. And there's things that can get into our hearts that can cause us not to be fruit-bearing trees. Can I talk about it just a moment? You don't need the root of bitterness in your heart. You don't need wormwood in your heart. You need to be delivered from bitterness. Bitterness is something that's got a root, and you've got to get it out. You can't just cut that stump off. That root's got to come out. You've got to ask yourself, do I have a bitter heart do I am I living in a bitterness in my life or am I living in the fact that God has forgiven me of all of my past you know I don't know I don't know what comes to church on Wednesday I don't know what comes to church on Sunday I hug your neck I love you I don't know what you're going through at home but the Lord is the Lord has encouraged me to kind of speak tonight on this you listen to me I don't know what your past is I really don't I don't know if you were raised in a normal home or if you thought normal home was getting slapped every day and getting almost knocked out by a dad that was an alcoholic. I don't know what your normal was. 
I don't know if normal was an uncle always messing with you or somebody provoking you or somebody trying to hurt you or somebody sexually abusing you. I don't know what your normal was. But I do know one thing. I do know one thing, that God forgives. And God washes. And God cleans. And God purifies. And you're in a place tonight that whatever your past was, that's where it's going to stay. You're in a house of forgiveness and love tonight. Amen. Allow yourself. Allow yourself. Allow yourself to not be better. And number six, the last thing, a tree is dependent on God. Just as we are, we depend on him. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, blessed is the person who trust in the Lord, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and shall not fear when heat comes, but its leaves shall be green, neither shall it cease from yielding fruit. Say amen to that. Amen. Blessed is the person who trusts God. Say amen. amen. Blessed is the person who doesn't have to ask, who am I, but knows he or she's a child of God. Say amen. Blessed is the person who does not worry about the future but knows the future is in God's hands. Say amen. amen. Blessed is the person who has Christian friends he or she can depend on, who does not engage in self-destructive behavior. Say amen. amen. And blessed is the person who bears fruit by living a committed and a caring life. Say amen to that. He shall be a tree planted by the stream. One of my, one of my favorite sporting heroes and I close tonight is a man named George Foreman George Foreman is a Pentecostal preacher some of you may not know that if you don't believe it and you ask him he may hit you but he's a Pentecostal preacher <laughs> George Foreman was a mean angry self-reliant independent nobody didn't ask any quarters, didn't give any quarters. And he was a boxer. And he lost a match one night. He lost a match that he wasn't supposed to lose. Muhammad Ali beat him in Zaire, but he wasn't supposed to lose this fight. And he went back to his locker room and he laid down way back there in the back, didn't want anybody around him, put a towel over his head, and God came to him. This is his story. And the Holy Ghost came to him and Jesus said to him, George, I'm going to transform your life. I'm going to change you from being a bitter, angry young man to a man that I can use for my glory. And laying on that table in the back of a dressing room by himself with a towel over his head, George Foreman gave his heart to the Lord. And in a little while, the Holy Spirit just came all over him. And he got up, and he walked out weeping and crying. They said, George, what's become of you? George Foreman left the scowling world and became a smiler. Left the hating world, became a lover of souls. And also a lover of those hamburger fryers that he sells. <laughs> heard George Foreman's testimony I would love to have him come one of these days he 
didn't cost 50,000, 100,000 to come, I'd love to have him come. Every one of his boys is named George. Every kid's named George. George. There's a bunch of Georges. Somebody asked him one day, he said, how do you call them? He said, well, they all have different accents. George? George. George. I love that. I love it. But he said, that one night, that one night, God changed me from an angry man to a blessed man, a happy man. How's that possible, Pastor? It's possible because this is the God I preach about. God can change you from somebody who's fighting failure, who's fighting the past, who's fighting the values that you were given by a home that did not love and trust God. God can change you in a moment. He can change you in a moment. There's an old dry walking stick was put by the Ark of the Covenant one night. Over in the Old Testament, it was a walking stick of Aaron. And the next morning, just laying by the Ark of the Covenant, that walking stick, had, that almond rod, had become a blooming, blossoming almond rod with full-grown almonds. The gestation period of an almond tree is 10 months. But in one night, an old dead walking stick became a blossoming, blooming almond tree with fresh almonds. I'm here to tell you, if God can take some old wounded stick, some old 300-year-old walking stick that's polished from the perspiration of a grip of somebody walking with it, a staff, and turn it into a blooming, blossoming almond tree. God can take your past, take your failures, take your heartaches, take your pain. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Take everything in your yesterday and change you. Change you. We all need need the Lord in our life. We need him. We need him. We need him. So I I come to you tonight. I'm telling you with everything in my heart, you don't have to continue in that journey. On a Wednesday night, God can change you just like that. up against him and said if I can just touch his garment I'll be made whole boom pow a woman that had suffered 18 years with a blood disorder 12 years pardon with a blood disorder a 12 year problem was healed right now don't tell me that Jesus is any different today it doesn't take 12 years it doesn't take some 12 steps it doesn't take all that stuff. And I'm not against all of that. I'm not against psychiatrists and psychologists. I'm not against that. I love it because there are doctors to help us. But I'm telling you, sometimes we discount the power of God. We discount the power of God. We discount the power of God. Because in one word, he said, let there be. And there was a world. There was a world. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be a firmament. And there was firmament. With one word, he spoke it. And it came to existence. I still believe that that God is able to do anything. Anything. 
say amen to that. He is able. I got to quit. Would you stand? Would you stand? Would you stand? I got to quit. Wow. I'm sorry I held you a little longer tonight. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Jesus. Everybody say trees. Everybody say trees. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.